Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Unshakable Podcast. Yes, you're stuck with me. My name is Sam and I am your podcast host. The Unshakable Podcast is an extension of Unshakable Ministries, where our goal is to educate, equip, encourage, and empower Christ followers to live the life that Christ expects us to live. Ways that you can find us on social media, if you will go over to Facebook and search Unshakable Podcast, you will find us there. On Instagram, our username is unshakable underscore podcast. And on Twitter, our username is unshakable underscore one. That is the numerical value one. If you're looking for ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation, if you're listening this morning, let me be the first to welcome you into the Unshakable Nation. For other ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation, if you will check your show notes right there in your podcast app, you will see other ways, links to other ways you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. Just click on those links. They will take you right to where you want to go to find out more about us and ways that you can come alongside us and join us in the ministry that we are in. This morning we have a jam-packed episode. But before we get into the episode and we get into the meat of what we are going to talk about this morning, I want to throw this at you. I mentioned this last week and I want to continue to mention it until we get to that date. As I stated last week, the Unshakable podcast as of October the 1st, will no longer be hosted through Anchor.fm. What does that mean to you? That means if you are subscribed through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, Amazon, Pandora, any of those places that you are subscribed to the Unshakable podcast, you will no longer get the new episodes. As I laid out last week, there are reasons that we are doing this. If you would like to know more about these reasons, feel free to reach out to me. I will share that with you in just a moment. But I want to remind you, as of October the 1st, 2021, you will no longer get those updated episodes in those podcast apps. So I want you to know that. So you're saying, now, Sam, so how do we get the updated episodes? Well, that's what I want you to know. I want you to be aware of this. So that you know, come October the 1st, we are moving to a user-based system through our website, unshakableministries.com. And what that means is, is you can go in, you can sign up. It's free to sign up. You can create your username, your password. All of this stuff is going to be available to those users who decide to go and sign up as users on our website. I'm going to post a link to the sign-up page in the show notes for today's episodes, so you can just link directly from the show notes. You don't have to type in the address. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for you. So just know, as of October the 1st, we will be moving away from Anchor.fm, which means whatever podcast app that you are using on your phone, it will no longer be updated with the newest episode. We have all episodes from the very beginning of the podcast 
and including the newest episode. We have all of these on our website, unshakableministries.com. Once you sign up to become a user, you will see right there in your user profile, you will see a link that says podcast. It will take you to a page. And on this page, you will see all episodes. At the very top of the page, you will see the newest episode. We've made this as easy as possible for you to get to. No, it's not an RSS feed, which means you can't subscribe and get automatic updates. We understand this requires more effort and more work. There are reasons we're doing this. As I said, if you want to know those reasons, please feel free to reach out. I've tried to state this when you log in as a user. I've tried to state this on this user profile with a little note to let you know a little bit about why we are doing this. But just know, this is what we're moving to as of October the 1st. The most important way that you can become a part of Unshakable Ministries is through your prayers. We covet your prayers greatly. We ask this every single week that you please lift us up in your prayers, asking that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, joining God where He is already at work, impacting the world one life at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Questions, comments, topics, anything that you want to throw at me, I ask that you send that over to sam at unshakableministries.com and that link also is right there in your show notes. And it will link directly to your native mail app on your phone or whichever device you are using at the time. So, diving in this morning... Let's just touch base really quickly on last week. We kind of dove into some of the end time prophecies, looking at those, really talking about the great deception. We talked about the deception that came out of Revelation chapter 18, verse 23. And we talked about that word where it says, Babylon, you have deceived many with your sorcery. And what that word actually means in the Greek is pharmakia. Going back to where we get the word pharmacy, And we talked about that in reference to what is currently going on in our world today. I want to be clear here. As I said last week, I am not saying that the sky is falling. I am not saying that the end times are tomorrow, or I'm not saying the rapture is tomorrow. I'm not saying it's five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I am not about to sit here and tell you when it's going to be. I think Jesus was very clear. No one knows the day or the hour. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But one thing I want to make clear is though Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour. He does make reference to the fact that we can know the season. But I also encourage you to go back and listen to my series called The Harlot Church. If you are unable to find that on your podcast app, whichever one you're listening on, again, I encourage you to go over, sign up as a user. You can find that series on our website, unshakableministries.com, the entire series. And we talk about the Harlot Church. And the reason I bring that up is because when you really dig into what we talked about last week, and we talked about the great prostitute coming out of Revelation, And when you read Revelation chapter 16 and 17 and you begin to put the pieces together, the puzzle pieces together, who is the great prostitute? And I told you that I felt like that there were some eerily 
similar things to the United States and what we look like today. And I stand by that. I'm not saying it that, that the Babylon that is mentioned in the end time prophecies in Revelation is the United States. It could very well reference all earthly kingdoms. But what I am telling you is this. It is eerily similar. The description is eerily similar to the United States and what we have become. And the fact that we are addicted to luxurious living, as I mentioned last week. So as we dig in this week, we're going to move a little bit further into the end time prophecies. And I want to make sure that that I'm also clear on this is when it comes to end time prophecies, as I said, this is not the sky is falling. This is not to invoke fear at all. What this is designed to do is to help us as Christ followers recognize the season, recognize the signs. What's most important is to make sure that we are sharing the gospel. That's what's most important. As I said at the end of the episode last week, we don't need to check out. This is, if any time in our lives, this is a time when we began to see the season is growing closer to the harvest. This is a time that we need to make sure that we are very much checked in to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is imperative. So I want to make sure that I make that clear. I, I don't want it to be misunderstood that I am saying that you should be looking to the sky as the disciples were doing in Acts chapter 1. That's not what Jesus has called us to do. Jesus has called us to be about the Father's business, which means we need to be sharing the gospel and making disciples. This is imperative. So the reason I bring up the end times is to hopefully help us understand that the time is closer now than it ever has been. And the signs are clearer now than they ever have been. So let us be about the Father's business of sharing the gospel. So let's dig into some of that this morning. And as we dig in, there are some questions. As, as I study, I have a journal that I write my notes in, and there are many questions that I write down as I'm studying because I want to do everything that I can to try to find the answer if it's possible to find the answer. And a lot of this, or, or not a lot of it, but some of it comes from things that I've heard as a Christian throughout my life, things that I've heard taught or things that I've heard mentioned about what it's going to look like in the end. And some of those questions, like one of the questions was, will there be a great revival? And this is one of those things that I've heard mentioned when it comes close to the end times, that there's going to be this great awakening and this great revival, and that many people are going to come to know Jesus Christ. Well, listen, here's the thing. Do I believe that people are going to continue to come to Jesus Christ and, and profess Him as Lord? Absolutely, I do believe that. But what I don't see in Scripture, and again, we've talked about this before, we've got to take everything back to Scripture. Everything must be reconciled to Scripture, no matter what it is. If someone says it, it must be reconciled to Scripture. According to Scripture, I can't find anything that says there's going to be a great revival in the end times. What we do see is we see that evil increases in the end times. So is there going to be a great revival? Well, 
Likely not. But here's what we do know. When we look at Matthew chapter 24, you know, one thing that we, we do see, and I think this is, this is where a lot of people go with this reference. And they try to tie it to the fact that there's going to be a great revival. And, and I want to share that verse this morning. And it is Matthew chapter 20 verse 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Well, here's what we understand. When, when What we see here happening in Matthew chapter 24 is we see a lot of persecution coming. And what I see is, is this persecution is going to be the proclamation of the gospel. This is how the gospel is going to be spread. Many people have taken it to mean that, in fact, every person or every nation and tribe will, in fact, hear the gospel before the end comes. That's not what this is saying. We, we have to be very careful. We're, we're reading something into the text when we say that. What we have to see here is it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Listen to me. We always have to gain context. And, and context doesn't come from just one verse. We can't take this verse and build a theology that all nations are going to hear the gospel before the end comes. What we have to look at is this. We have to, And I'm going to start in verse 9 of chapter 24. It says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, we just talked about that, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come." This is the way that I read this. What I read is, to start off with, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. What I see is a very public persecution going on. That's what I see. And when I see this public persecution going on, then what I do is I sit and look at that and I say, well, because of this public persecution, then the gospel is going to spread. That's what I see. And, and I know... We're going to dig into this because there are so many different thought processes on this. But I wanted to start right there because that was one of the questions I, I, I asked based on things that I've heard surrounding the end times in my life. And is that, will there be a great revival? And I can't find that in Scripture. As I just read, what we do see in verse 12 of Matthew 24, and because lawlessness will increase, will be increased, so we know that lawlessness or evil will be increased in the end times, but we don't see any evidence of a great a revival. But we do know that the gospel will be spread because of the persecution. That's what I read there. But here's the crazy thing. And this is not a debate that I'm willing to have simply because this is something that requires much maturity. And what, I'm, what I mean by much maturity is... There are so many people that get wrapped up in this particular subject matter, they don't properly know how to have conversations about it. 
And I talked a little bit about it last week, um, how um, me and my brother and my sister-in-law talk about the rapture and how we joke about the rapture and how they are, uh, you know, currently stand in the pre-tribulation mindset uh, for the rapture. And I have, for the most part, over the last several years, kind of stood in the mid-tribulation rapture mindset. And we, we always joke about stuff like that. And this is why I say it requires much maturity. I'm not willing to debate or argue because I think it's one of those meaningless debates. I'm just going to throw things out at you in in reference to what I read in Scripture. And then you can do with it what you want to do with it. And it's like I told my brother and my sister-in-law is, I am hoping for a pre-tribulation rapture, but I'm preparing myself for a post-tribulation rapture. So whether it comes pre, mid, or post does not matter. What matters is the preparation going into this. Are you prepared if, in fact, we don't get raptured before the tribulation period? So, the next question I ask myself is, when is the rapture? When is the rapture? And there's so many details that come along with this and trying to figure out exactly when the rapture is. But here's what I do know. I do know that Scripture is clear about that no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows that. But then I have to ask myself, okay, so if no one knows that, no one knows the day or the hour, then why are we given signs to understand about the tribulation period? Why are we as believers given signs to recognize about the end times and the tribulation period? Our signs don't just include the end time signs. They include signs signs within the tribulation period. Why is that? Why do we have those signs? Why are we called to understand this? Well, the truth of it is, and this is what I looked at, I looked up the the pre-tribulation theology, which is where I was for most of my adult life, is I was a pre-tribber. And I, I really began to dig into that and try to understand where this theology came from. Where did this teaching come from? Why did people begin to teach in the church that we were going to be raptured prior to the tribulation? And here's what I found out. Do you know this theology is not found anywhere in church history prior to the 1830s? And here's what I found out in in doing my study on this is that John Darby claimed credit for this theory that was revealed to him during his study time. In the, in the 1830s. He claimed to have this belief as early as, I think it was the early 1820s, that God revealed this to him during his study time. And during the same time, a Scottish woman by the name of Margaret MacDonald claimed credit through a vision and said Darby stole the idea. Now, when I look at this, here's, here's problem number one. Problem number one is, is we don't see this theory taught in the church pre-1830. Which means that the disciples, the apostles, none of the, the authors of the New Testament believed in this theory, in this theology, that we were going to be gone prior to the tribulation. 
Hence the reason we get a ton of writing about the tribulation period and what that is going to look like. Problem number two, to believe this theory, you would also have to believe that God gave a new revelation to man. But we also know what Hebrews 1 and 2 says. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, right, that, that there will be no further revelation. Jesus Christ was the final revelation from God to man. That was it. Joseph Smith, you're out, bro. Because when I read Scripture, it clearly tells me that no other revelation will be given to man except for Christ. It says that God used to speak to us through the prophets, but He has chosen now to speak to us through Christ, which means Christ is the final revelation. What we see in the life and teachings of Christ is what we have to live by. We are not prophets. God doesn't use them anymore. So, to believe this theory, you would have to believe that God revealed something to someone that is new in the 1800s. Number three, you would have to omit Scripture as it reads to follow this theory. Matthew 24, Jesus says the rapture comes after these days. Here's the crazy thing, as, I, as I've mentioned, that I've been a pre-tribber. I mean a mid-tribber, I'm sorry. I was a pre-tribber first, and then I, as I read Scripture and began to study it and understand it a little more, I moved more towards the mid-tribulation rapture. And I got to be completely honest with you here. I'm hoping for a pre-tribulation rapture, but I'm preparing for a post. The more I study, the more I read, the more I see words coming off the pages that is telling me that it's post-tribulation. Revelation 13 and 17 teaches about a war on the saints during the tribulation. Well, who are the saints that are here during the tribulation? Now, I've heard many have this conversation and they think that it is going to be the 144,000 Jews that are sealed. But there is a little bit of what I would say scripture that might lead us to believe otherwise. And as I began to really dig into this and really try to understand now, now I, you know, I, I understand God doesn't want me to understand every last little detail. That's not who I am. I'm not an educated man. I'm not a smart man, right? I, I didn't go to seminary. I, I don't have a PhD. Matter of fact, I don't have a collegiate degree at all. I'm not a smart man. But as I study Scripture, God reveals things to me. And like He does anyone, we, we have that ability to be able to have things revealed to us as we study. You know, the scripture tells us if anyone lacks wisdom, let him pray and God will grant him wisdom. Well, that's what I've been praying as I go through this is that God would grant me wisdom. So how does the gospel spread during the tribulation if the church has been raptured? Again, the argument's been made that it's the 144,000 Jews. And listen, as I've said, Every teaching or belief must be reconciled to Scripture. We can't just 
put a blindfold on and throw darts at the dartboard and hope something sticks. But that seems to be exactly what we are doing. Now, there are two time periods in the tribulation. There's two three-and-a-half-year time periods that are described in the, during the tribulation. Why is it described this way? What is important for us to, why is it important for us to have this information? Why do we need to know what's happening during the tribulation if, in fact, we're not going to be here? Revelation 13 says, and this is something that stood out to me in my study in trying to understand the tribulation period, is I see a lot of things that happen in, in Scripture and signs to look for. One of those is the abomination of desolation. We see the persecution. We see the abomination of desolation. We see the mark of the beast. Like I said, I don't know when the rapture's coming. I know what I read in Scripture, and I know what I'm preparing myself and my family for. But Revelation 13 says, this is a call for the endurance of the saints. This is after the abomination of desolation. This is after the Antichrist reveals himself. This is what it says. This is a call for the endurance of the saints. Revelation 6, we begin to see some of the seals that are, that are broken open. The first writer, it, it, when, I, when I look at the seals and I read this, the first rider on the horse appears to be a parody of Jesus. Having the appearance of, but is a false Christ. It's religion with the appearance of Christianity, but in fact is not Christianity. We've talked about this, and when you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, I believe it is, it says that in those days, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity, you workers of evil, you workers of lawlessness, whatever words you want to put there. And then the second writer takes peace from the earth. And we would assume this means slaughter of each other will grow extreme. When we look at Matthew chapter 10, and this is, when I look at this, I know a lot of people may not look at this as prophetic, but I look at Matthew chapter 10 and I see some prophecies here. I see some end time prophecies. When you look at verse 21, it says, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then when you go over to verse 25, it says, If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Matthew chapter, uh, it's chapter 10, you go over to verse 24, it says, Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Whoever finds his life, this is verse 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my name's sake will find it. Listen, what I'm seeing here is I'm seeing a prophecy of the end times. It, Jesus clearly says that persecution is coming because this comes just after verse 16 in Matthew chapter 10 where he says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We need to be wise. We need to see what is happening here. 
The persecution is coming. But I love what he says right here. He says, but the one who endures to the end shall be saved. How amazing is that? And, and when we look at Matthew chapter 24, I, I love this. It says, um, it says, for then there will be great tribulation. Now listen, this is in Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse 21. It says, for there, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And in if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. You know, I, I love that. Because we get to see that there is great tribulation coming after the abomination of desolation. But we also know that even in this, at this point, that even, go back to verse 13, we were just talking about Matthew chapter 10, and it says, but the one who endures the tribulation to the end, or the one who endures to the end shall be saved. What are we enduring? Well, if you go over to Matthew chapter 24, it tells us what we're going to be enduring. And in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 24, he says it again, but the one who endures to the end will be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. What are we enduring if not the tribulation? What are we enduring until the end? Well, I have to look at that. When I studied the scripture to see, and then a little bit further in Matthew chapter 24, it talks about the coming of the Son of Man. Now, we just read that what's going to happen, they will deliver you up to tribulation, and then we go over to where it says the abomination of desolation is going to happen, and then in verse, and that's in verse 15, it talks about that. And then verse 21 of Matthew chapter 24 for then there will be great tribulation. And then you jump to verse 29 and it says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Listen, to me it doesn't matter whether you're a pre-tribulation rapture theorist, a mid-tribulation rapture, or a post tribulation, rapture. What is critical is the preparation of your heart and your mind. Because let's just say, if you read Matthew chapter 24, you, got, you, you, you have to ask yourself this question. Is Matthew chapter 24 told by Jesus in chronological order? Did he tell us in Matthew chapter 24 in the order that these things were going to happen? That's a question you have to ask yourself. As a reader, we are left to assume that 
Absolutely. It's in chronological order, in timeline order, as Jesus stated it. Now let's just say for just a second. Again, it's it's not a debate. I'm just asking you to think this through. Is there a possibility that the theory of the pre-tribulation rapture is wrong? Is there a possibility that the mid-tribulation rapture is wrong? Those are questions we have to ask ourselves. Again, it doesn't matter when the rapture is. That's not the key here. That's that's not the, the conversation. That's not the discussion. The discussion is about, are you prepared mentally if the rapture doesn't come until the end of the tribulation? Now, I've heard people say, I've read so many different writings on this, and I've heard people say, that you know we it, the rapture can't come after the tribulation because then we would know when it's coming that's not true and i believe jesus makes that very clear because so many people stop in matthew chapter 24 they stop at verse 31 and they miss the lesson that comes immediately after that so what's the lesson, when we look at this, when you look at Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 35, what is the lesson? Jesus teaches the lesson of the fig tree, and he says, From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these signs, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Well, this is what I immediately thought about. I grew up with, with my grandparents who had a farm and they gardened and they grew things. And here's what we, what we do know is we know that we can recognize the seasons. And seasons tell us to be prepared. For example, when my grandparents planted a garden, they didn't know the day or the hour the harvest would come, but they knew the season. So even if we live as Christ followers through the tribulation period, through the entire seven years, we will know the season but we will still never know the day or the hour that Christ will come and call us out. So here's what I'm saying. Again, I'm not sitting here saying that Sam is right in this, that we're going to be here for the entire seven years. I'm not saying that we're going to be here for only half of the tribulation period. I'm not saying that we're going to be leaving prior to the tribulation period. I'm not asking you what you believe about when the rapture is going to happen, I'm asking you to sit back and question, is there a possibility that what you have learned and what you believe is incorrect? Is it possible that we as believers will actually go through the entire seven years of the tribulation? Again, I take you back to Matthew chapter 24. If 
Jesus told the story of Matthew chapter 24 in timeline order, in chronological order of how the events would occur, then one would be left to assume that we will be here for the entire tribulation period. Are you prepared? Now listen, I want to close out with this. I've been a little more long-winded than I anticipated being, but I want to end with this. When we look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can be sure that God has demonstrated His unconditional love towards us and that while we have been and continue to be lost in our sin, He sent Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross. His only begotten Son. Why? Because the gospel was always the plan of God. It was always how He desired to show His love to mankind. The question is, are you prepared to receive that love? When we look at Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, But the gift of God is eternal life. Of G- it, it, uh, the eternal life in Jesus Christ. The first part of that says, for the wages of sin is death. That death refers to eternal separation. We don't want that. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised Him on the third day, then we shall be saved. But the thing we have to understand is the power of the gospel is life-changing. This is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. This is a life-changing event for those who choose to make Christ the Lord of their lives. Will that be you today? For those of you that are believers and you trust and have confidence that you have a strong faith in Christ and you feel like you are living the way He has called you to live, then I would ask you this, are you prepared for persecution? Are you prepared with your life to stand for Jesus Christ? Because we just read, He who seeks to save His life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my name's sake will gain it. So the question is, are you prepared if in fact we do endure the entire seven years of the tribulation? We need to get our minds right. We need to know going into it as we recognize the season is coming, we need to know what is required of us. We need to know what can happen to us, that we will be delivered up to death. Are we prepared? Because the way I see it in the world today, a majority of those who profess Jesus Christ are not prepared with their lives to die for Jesus Christ. Father, More than anything, we pray, God, you would reveal your wisdom to us. 
God, that you would reveal your truth to us, that you would guide us through these things to understand these things in the way that you desire for us to understand them. God, we pray that you would just continue to work in our hearts for the most important thing, God, that we would be granted a boldness and a courage to stand in a way that we never thought we would have to. But God, when the time comes, we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak for us. But Father, right now, before that time gets here, we pray a boldness and a courage to stand and speak the gospel unashamedly. That we would recognize that the gospel is the power of God for those who are being saved. May we proclaim it with confidence. May we proclaim it with conviction. May we proclaim it with power. And may we proclaim it with boldness. God, help us to be about the mission that you've called us to, serving the purpose that you have given us in Christ Jesus. For we are your workmanship. For the good works you prepared in Christ beforehand for us to do. Father, forgive us where we have failed you, where we have slumbered, where we have not taken this seriously. God, Break us, bend us to your will, whatever it takes. God, I pray that you make us unstoppable. God, that you would make us in your name and in your power and in your might, you would make us unshakable. God, we will give you the glory, you the honor, and you the praise in Christ's name. Hey guys, I love you. And until next time, remember to remain unshakable.